Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a mental health platform that provides direct online counseling and therapy services via web or phone text communication. You don't even need to use flu powder in order to access a therapist through BetterHelp. I think we can all tell in book five that if you keep your feelings bottled up, it can start to affect you negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off of your chest if you don't have access to Dumbledore's office. I know in my life, therapy has helped me identify patterns to help me interrupt ones that I don't feel like are healthy and find better ways to cope. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash sacred text today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash sacred text. Chapter 19, Elf Tales. So all in all, not one of Ron's better birthdays, said Fred. It was evening. The hospital wing was quiet. The windows curtained, the lamps lit. Ron's was the only occupied bed. I'm Casper Kyle, And I'm Vanessa Zoltan. And this is Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Casper, before we get started with today's episode, do you know that in 1666, the year of the devil, there was a big fire that burnt down most of London town? I do. And it came one year after a great outbreak of plague. So those were just some difficult times. (laughs) Those were some awkward years. But I hear that London has rebuilt itself a bit, so much so that there is a (laughs) London local Harry Potter sacred text group. And this group, more than anywhere else, is so lucky because there's so much Harry Potter landscape right on their doorstep. I hope they do some cool meetups. So if you want to go to the London local group, it is a great thing to do while you're a tourist in London, or you can be a member of that local group. And to find out more about all of our local groups, go to harrypottersacredtext.com to learn more about a local group near you. And while you're on our website, we've only got two weeks left to support the amazing work of Raices with our Don't Be a Dursley campaign. We have surpassed the goal we'd set and this community just keeps showing up and it keeps showing us the world that we could live in together if we treated one another with dignity and respect. So please join our fundraiser. Let's see how far we can go together. The fundraiser closes on the 25th of December, Christmas Day. So Casper, at the beginning of my friendship with 
the Reverend Professor Matt Potts, um, he and I would meet for breakfast once a week. And it was like a very tenuous beginning of a friendship. I felt like we both stepped pretty lightly on issues, and it was a transition from my being his student to my becoming a family friend. And eventually we started sharing more and more about ourselves, but I was pretty hesitant to share too much about myself because I made a series of assumptions based on the fact that Matt is an Episcopal priest. And so I was constantly sort of scared that he was going to judge me. And I remember there was one day in particular in which I wanted to ask for Matt's advice, but I was like simultaneously afraid of asking for Matt's advice because I was like, uh, he's going to be an optimist about it and like tell me to believe in another person and have faith in them and blah, blah, blah. But whatever the issue was, it was just weighing on me too much. And we were having breakfast and he was the person in front of me. And so I was like, Matt, can I ask your advice? And I asked him and he ended up just validating every feeling that this like dead inside atheist me had. And I was shocked. Right. So I said to him, I was like, Matt, are you secretly an atheist? And he said, no, Vanessa, I think you're secretly a Christian. And we started having this debate of like, you like to focus on the suffering of the world that is embodied in Jesus. And I was like, you like to focus on the suffering of the world. That means that you like to focus on meaninglessness. And we went back and forth. And what I realized was that someone does not need to be the same as you in order to want to be a part of the same message as you. And in fact, that difference is what is important. And that strikes me as what harmony is. He and I have very similar messages whenever we talk to the communities that we talk to. Only he has the language of the church and of Christianity and of Jesus. And I have the language of atheists. And I think my younger self would have seen that just as difference. But really now I see that difference as such a beauty and such an opportunity for harmony. And it has made me think that you can't harmonize with someone who has the same voice as you. You need someone to have a different voice in order for it to truly be harmony. And I think we see that throughout this chapter and we see moments in which having things in common is not the same as harmony. Like Creature and Dobby, who are given the exact same assignment and yet are not working in harmony. And so I'm really interested in thinking about when something is harmonious and when it's not and why. Yeah, I really love that focus on harmony being about difference, not about unity. I think that's exactly right. It's so easy to think like, oh, it's all about aligning and agreeing. And I think it's actually about like fine tuning the difference to be pleasant, (laughs) right? Like there's not an effort for you to become Christian and you're not trying to convince Matt to become an atheist, but you're each helping one another to be clearer and more precise in the note that you're singing in the world, right? That's what a good friendship is about. You're not getting lost in one another. You're actually being more of, of who you are. Yeah. And I do think that we embody that in our 30 second recap. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And it's my turn to go first. Will you count me in? Yes, happily. Three, two, one, go. 
So Ron is recuperating and all the Weasleys are there. And Molly's like, oh my God, you've saved Ginny, you've saved Arthur, and now you've saved Ron. How are we ever going to repay you? And Hermione has done a total 180 and is like, I'm standing by my man. I'm I'm like not worried about anything else. Suddenly Hagrid arrives and is like, oh my God, guys. Um, turns out Dumbledore's really angry with Snip. And then like, oh no, I've shared way too much. And then tells this whole story that Dumbledore's been angry with Snape and Harry is just cre- increasingly obsessed with Malfoy. Well, that was a great recap of half the chapter. Yep. Let's work in harmony and I'll do the second half. <laughs> Will you help me with the second half? <laughs> yes, happily. <laughs> Count me in. You bet. Three, two, one, go. So um, Harry is on his way down to the Quidditch match, but he stops to see Ron. McLagan is like, I guess I should be your goalie while Ron is recuperating. And Harry's like, fine. Lavender is really upset that Ron is always asleep when she visits him and is constantly bothering Harry. Harry sees Draco on his way down to the match. The match starts. McLagan starts yelling and being really distracting and annoying. And he um, and Luna is the announcer. And then Harry gets hit in the head and wakes up in the hospital room. There's just so much hospital room everywhere in this chapter. <laughs> Freaking McClagan, man. Let's start right with McClagan because a Quidditch team, any sports team, is a perfect example of harmony. Everybody needs to work together in order for a sports team to be effective. And everybody needs to do their role and only their role and not step on another person's role. And McClagan is just an example of absolutely not believing in a team mentality. And therefore, it's like this very awkward song that is being sung rather than a harmonious victory. There is no harmony. There's just he wants to be the star. And that ego keeps harmony from happening. And the irony is he's actually a pretty decent player. Like even the strategic advice, like at some point he says to two of the other players, like make sure that you play into the sun so that the Hufflepuffs can't see the ball when it's coming. He's right in a lot of ways, but it's exactly this. It's it's his failure to know how he's in harmony or out of harmony with other players and the team that really lets him down. And I think... You know, you can draw a musical parallel for sure, right? Like when you have people singing together, actually sometimes it's the strongest voice that ruins the harmony because it's so overpowering. There's something about harmony which I think actually limits the capacity for one individual to shine super bright, which if you think about the whole series, it's actually remarkable that the trio stays so consistent. I mean, yes, there are moments when things fall apart, but it is remarkable how in harmony they stay throughout these seven years of their life when Harry is constantly put out in front, right? Like he's the McLagan of the proverbial Quidditch trio team. And yet he's able to melt into this, at least socially melt into this this harmony together. I think it's beautiful. Well, I just think that the important difference between Harry and McLagan is that Harry is sort of being pulled out to be a soloist, right? Mm. Whereas McLagan is ostensibly playing the role of a choir member who's just singing too loudly and like out of tune. Everybody loves a great solo moment. Right. But that's not what McLagan is doing. And what he is doing is disrespecting the belief in the possibility of harmony. And I think, you know, to go back to my story, I think I could have stayed in sort of shallow friendship land with Matt for a really long time and like not Mm -hmm. believed in his capacity to understand me and think that our differences were too great. And I'm really grateful that a moment of 
vulnerability let us realize that we can work so well together. Mm. But I think that I'm not a big trust the system person, but I do think that McLagan has signed up to be on a team and a team has a captain. And I guess I just think once you've signed up for a system, you sort of, at least in the moment of crisis, like a game, have to play within the system. Yeah. I mean, just as you were talking, Vanessa, I suddenly had this like pang of compassion for McLagan, right? Like usually when we become really bossy or we become the way that he's acting, it's because we're actually super insecure about our own skills or whether we're good enough. And, you know, he didn't get in when he when he wanted to be in the team. And this is his one chance. This is his moment. I don't know. Suddenly I felt like I understand where it's coming from, right? You want to be not just the best you can be, but you want to be twice as good as everyone else. And I feel like that's maybe the pressure that he's feeling and and part of what's driving him. When you really want to impress people, sometimes you act a bit of a, <laughs> a boo head. Yeah, I just want to push back on that because I, I agree that sometimes when you really want to impress people, you can overstep. But I also think that people become bossy because they think that they are the best and that they are the only ones who can do a good job. I don't know. I grew up with a real bully of an uncle. And I genuinely believe, even now with hindsight and being an adult myself, that he truly believes he knows better than everybody else. It was incredible to me the things that he felt comfortable giving me advice on, right? Like he would give me advice on things that he had never been in the worlds that I was in. The compassion I feel for him is that he was constantly validated as a bully. And so a lot of people dislike him. And a lot of people were really happy when he retired and to have him out of his life. But I do think that some people will go through their entire lives thinking that they are right and that they know best and that everybody else is just an incompetent idiot and (laughs) hold the bludger bat like this. Even if it results in the kind of catastrophe that happens on the Quidditch match. I mean, like, Harry is literally hit in the face by a bludger and it's only thanks to two of the other teammates that he's caught and, you know, doesn't potentially die. And that's McClagan's fault. And I don't think McClagan is going home tonight being like, oh my goodness, I really screwed up. Like, No, he's like, if Harry had been paying more attention. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And so I think that's one of the challenges with being out of harmony. It's it's actually very difficult to get back into it. You know, it's it's much easier to grow from silence into sound. And it's much harder as what McLagan has to do and doesn't from going to a large sound, not into silence, but into balance with the rest of the sound around you. I think the Quidditch game is really interesting because we see Luna do something that I had completely forgotten when I read this chapter, that she is commentating on this whole Quidditch match. And it's totally delightful because, of course, she's not keeping track of the score. McGonagall has to, like, shout that into the microphone. And she's talking about clouds. And it's all very Luna-esque. But the thing that really struck me is that, you know, she is not a Quidditch player herself, as far as we know. And I think Part of the reason why she's so engaged with Quidditch is that this is about her becoming in tune with the trio, with the Gryffindors, with Dumbledore's army. Like this is an expression of wanting to resonate with and to to be in harmony with these people that she has learned that she can call her friends. I don't think this is Luna's natural place. I, I think she's stretching into a world so that she can be, yeah, kind of in relational harmony with the people that she loves. I also think that now Lee Jordan plus McGonagall and Luna plus McGonagall 
shows us that we always need two commentators, which a lot of professional sports teams have. They have That's true. what they call, you know, the person who's telling you the play by play. And then they have the quote unquote color commentator. And I feel like McGonagall is there with just the like, <laughs> here's the score. And then Luna is our color commentator. And I think that she is sharing really interesting information about the character of some of the players. Ginny is very nice. It needs to be a harmonious relationship. This is not a one-person job. Yeah, I love that. I love that. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason, you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. So, Casper, can we talk a little bit about a moment that I'm not sure how to talk about harmony, but I was really haunted by it. Mm. So everybody in the hospital wing is talking about whether the Katie Bell attack and Ron's attack are somehow connected. And Hermione says, I don't think they're Quidditch related, but I do think they're connected. What's scariest is that whoever, neither of these items seem to have poisoned the person who they were meant to poison, which makes this person even more dangerous because they don't care who they hurt. Mm. And to me, it made Draco unforgivable. Mm. I understand that he was given this assignment by Voldemort to kill Dumbledore and that that's terrible. He is a child soldier being sent into war, and that is awful. And? That's exactly right. And he has hurt Ron and Katie. He could have killed both of them. He is being so reckless with other people's lives. I don't know how I come back on Draco. Yeah. I mean, it's striking in this chapter, Harry kind of meditates on what would have happened if he hadn't had the Bezoar, you know, in Slughorn's briefcase. Because Slughorn was completely paralyzed what was happening. Slughorn was not helpful in that moment of crisis as Ron lay dying. And if, if Harry hadn't had access to that antidote, he would have watched his friend die. I mean, the seriousness of what you're describing is absolutely real. And I have to wonder, 
something has to be happening to Malfoy at that soul level as he is committing these these attempted murders. I mean, both of them, right, they don't reach their intended victim, but just that intentionality of wanting to kill and the way in which it has this horrific impact on people who, sure, he might not like Ron, right? But does he wish Ron's death? No. Like, I have to think there's something happening to Draco every time something like this happens. And if I'm really going to stretch this reading, is that one of the reasons why he's unable to kill Dumbledore? That he has actually seen in small ways, and perhaps from afar, the impact of what he has done already, and, and it is too much for him? I don't know, maybe that's too kind. No, I think that that's a really beautiful reading. And I think that, you know, there's one of two ways that this can impact you. It can make you more and more dead inside to the point where you're like, oh, another victim. Oh, well. Right. Or it can really make you sensitive to not wanting any victims. I know that he's living in tremendous fear. I just, this moment really hit me hard. I mean, there's something about, this whole chapter, which is funny because in, in so many ways it's about the escape from death in that Ron is, you know, Ron is okay and we see Harry ultimately being okay as well. There's this sweet moment where Hagrid describes going into the forest and that he is reading to Aragog, who is who is dying. And it made me think about this whole series is so much about the relationship between life and death, right? Voldemort's continuous desire is to escape death. We see Harry making this fateful choice where he accepts death. And there's something in this moment where we actually see a beautiful moment of kind of hospice care that like Hagrid isn't trying to save Aragog, but he's accompanying him in this very sweet, simple way of just reading him a story, of, of reading stories and, and and being with him in the forest, not wanting to make everything different. That is actually so rare. And the reason all of this kind of this theme of hospice care and accompaniment into death really struck me is that life and death in some ways are, are two notes, right? They, they can never be the same, but in that process of dying and letting go, that there is a, I don't know, an accompaniment from, from one note to the other, that I as the person who's dying will start singing this different note, and you as the person who is caring for me will stay singing your note. And there's this mirroring, this harmony, this relationship between life and death, which doesn't have to be a breach of pain and violence, as we so often see. But in this sweet, sweet moment with Aragog, there's just this, I don't know, it felt harmonious in a way. Yeah, I'm wondering if we can stay in sort of hospital care as Harmony. Because another real moment of Harmony to me was when Mr. and Mrs. Weasley say to Harry, we were lucky, we the Weasleys were lucky the day that Ron sat down in your carriage, you know, you've saved Arthur, you've saved Ginny, and now you've saved Ron. I thought that was really beautiful, especially because Harry feels the same way about them, right? That they have saved his life. And even if they haven't literally saved, prevented his death, they have saved him from the Dursleys again and again. They have given him a sense of family. And I think that, you know, we talk about how you can't always pay people back in the same way that they give you gifts. And I think that sometimes part of harmony is realizing we can't give back to each other in an equal way. And sometimes in order to show your gratitude, you actually have to pay it forward. Mm. And sometimes in order to be in harmony with someone, you just have to humbly let something go and let their generosity wash over you. 
My parents used to say that the quickest way to end a friendship is to be overly generous with someone. And I think that what that is, is that people feel out of harmony, right? If I were to give you a million dollars because you really needed it and I just had a couple of mil sitting around to spare, right, it creates a power imbalance. And then the, the receiver feels like, well, I can never be in harmony in this relationship anymore. I am now completely out of balance. And so I think that sometimes we have to accept that gifts don't have to be the same in order to be equal, yeah. Oh, that totally makes sense. I just had this this morning. I had a meeting with a friend and um, usually I'm very inquisitive and I'm excited to hear people's stories and I ask lots of questions. And this time, like, he asked me lots and lots of questions and I kind, it kind of turned into like a life coaching session. Halfway through the conversation, I was like, whoa, this is so out of balance, not just general like half and half, but usually of how I am when I'm with people. And I was like, no, Casper, like, just enjoy it. Like, receive this lovely set of open questions and interesting thoughts that I'm being offered. And it just, it just reminded me exactly of what you're saying, that you have to be able to give and take. And in that situation, it was, it was actually a pleasure to receive in a way that usually I don't. I think we see this in the chapter as well, in that we hear this, this frustration between Snape and Dumbledore. I mean, literally the words that we hear reported that Snape said is like, you forget what you're asking of me. And I, and I wondered, you know, is this a failure of leadership from Dumbledore I think that's too much to say, but I think there is something about the ease with which he expects from others something that he's able to give himself. It just struck me as this moment of disharmony within the leadership, as it were, of of this resistance and the way in which stressful situations like the one that they're in, they're fighting a war, actually you can't be in harmony all the time. And that successful, whether it's projects or revolutions or relationships of all kinds, like you're not always going to be in harmony and that that's also okay. Because I, what I don't want to leave this chapter with is this sense of like any dissonance is dangerous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Casper, before we end this conversation, there is one place where I feel like we really have to talk about harmony and that is in Creature and Dobby. And this was just a moment where I saw two people, right? Creature and Dobby have the same task. They both have the task to follow Draco in order to serve Harry but they are completely non-harmonious. First of all, Dobby is choosing to do it. Creature is ordered to do it. Dobby wants to do it. Creature actively does not want to do it and is fighting it on every level. And I'm wondering if you basically think that people can be instructed to be harmonious or if they are two soldiers on the same task but not working in harmony or if because they have the same orders, they are necessarily working in harmony. I wonder if the best metaphor in this case is, you know, sometimes you have a beautiful harmony between two string instruments, for example, or, or you know, a flute and a clarinet, like instruments that are often paired. But in this case, we're having like steel pan drums and, and a cello or something, right? Like, even though they are playing harmonious notes in, in the work that they're doing together, right? Like they have the same mission, they're going to execute it it still doesn't sound nice, right? Like they're not going to enjoy it. So that maybe harmony is just one dimension of, you know, for example, rhythm can be completely different and harmony still exists and it still sounds challenging. <laughs> I feel like that's what we're seeing in this in this case. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that it almost doesn't have to be willing to be harmonious. Or at least it's more complex.
Vanessa, it's time for our spiritual practice, and we are going to continue with sacred imagination, the exercise of imagining ourselves into a specific scene and paying attention to the five senses. What can we hear? What can we smell? What can we touch, taste? What can we see? And the idea is that by imagining ourselves into the text with such detail that we see something new, that perhaps we see a shadow on the wall somewhere or we hear birdsong further away and that the scene is enriched and we get to know the characters and their inner life better by understanding this outer context. So today I'm reading you a very, very short paragraph. It comes about two thirds of the way through the chapter towards the end. And I really want you to pay attention to these five senses as you imagine yourself into this scene. There was a low, rumbling snore from Ron's bed. After a while, Madame Pomfrey came out of her office, this time wearing a thick dressing gown. It was easiest to feign sleep. Harry rolled over onto his side and listened to all the curtains closing themselves as she waved her wand. The lamps dimmed, and she returned to her office. He heard the door click behind her and knew that she was off to bed. So I'm curious, did, did you find yourself kind of just watching it as a bird's eye view or were you one of these characters? What what did you notice? Well, I was hairy. Hmm. I mean, and I could so clearly hear the curtain being pulled, that like hmm. sound, you know, yeah. metal on metal. And um, the lights being dimmed but not turned off. Hmm. And then the sound of the click. Like, there was something very warm about it to me of being in the very capable hands of Madame Pomfrey. You know, what? what's really striking me is that this is probably the closest Harry has ever come to being tucked in. I don't think Petunia really tucked him in. Right. I think by the time he goes to Molly, I think Ron would kill her if she tried <laughs> to tuck everyone in. And so the line that really sticks out to me is it's easier to feign sleep. Mm. And I think he doesn't know how to receive kindness and he doesn't know how mm. to receive care. All Madame Pomfrey would say is like, are you comfortable? Sleep well, dear. It's not like this would have been a long, difficult interaction. And yet he would rather avoid it than receive this like tender moment from a parental figure. Gosh, that makes me feel weepy. That's so beautiful. It was so mundane, right? Like as someone who was tucked in nightly until my double digits. There's such a routine to it, and there are so many sounds to it, you know, of like the creaky floorboard that my mom would step on in order to get to my bed. And I had a creaky bed that would make a noise when she leaned down to kiss me. And right. And the closest thing he has to a familiar nightly routine is being in the hospital with Madame Pomfrey. What about you, Casper? Hmm. You know, we spend so much time thinking about Hermione and and Harry's leadership. And I often kind of forget sometimes a little bit why Ron is there. I mean, we know we love him. We know he's fun, that he's hardworking and and brave in his own way. But you know what? This passage really helped me understand what the bond between Harry and Ron is about. Because they're sleeping next to one another again, right? If you think about what happens at Hogwarts, for so much of the time, they're asleep 
right next to each other in bunk beds, right? There is such an intimacy about these two boys who are really like brothers growing up, so much so that even in the holidays, right, they want to be together. I think Ron is home for Harry. I, I think what what hurts so much in book seven, yes, they're outside of Hogwarts, but it's Ron's disappearance that puts that kind of ice dagger in Harry's heart. And I just love this low rumbling snore from Ron's bed. Like, yes, it's the curtains and yes, it's the... The fact that he's safe right after he's had this <laughs> head bash from a Quidditch injury. But I think it's Ron's like rumbling, gentle snore next to him that just makes him feel at home. Like they in later life are totally going to try and buy a like a house where upstairs, downstairs, right? Like you can still be neighbors yeah. even though you're adults. I don't know. There's such an intimacy to this scene. And I, I just really was reminded that it is in their nonverbal relationship that the intimacy is established. I think that's what we see in this scene. You know, that reminds me of my favorite line in book seven, which is their presence was his courage. That's right. And I sometimes think about that even just like yesterday I was doing work off normal work hours and I was on Slack preparing to record this episode and there was a little dot that like you were on Slack too (laughs) and it was just this like knowing that the other person is there right like I don't think I ended up messaging you but it was just like oh Casper's here you know like (laughs) we're both here working And there's such warmth to knowing that there's someone you love, even if they're snoring, even if they're just a dot, just like knowing that the other person is there Mm. can be the difference of, yeah, feeling at home and feeling safe enough to feel brave or not. Wow. I am really excited about choosing a shorter paragraph like this that's so evocative and rich. I just, that's a wonderful way to to dig into this practice. Yeah, thank you so much for picking that really sweet little passage. Thank you, Vanessa. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Redfin. Let's say for some reason, you can't get back to Grimmauld Place, so you need to find a new home. If you're like me, you would go to Redfin. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations, so finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. If you see something you like, just book a tour straight from the app, and when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put toward your next home. They even have a function where Trelawney will tell you whether or not she can see you in this house. Redfin. It's how Molly found the burrow. Download the Redfin app to get started. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It's time for our voicemail, and today we're going to hear from Becca. Hi, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text team. My name is Becca, and I loved being a part of the DC Live show recently. I have not been able to stop thinking about this idea of tampered memories and the story we see in A Sluggish Memory. I would love to offer a blessing for Professor Slughorn. It is so evident the pain that he is in, that he has gone through this process of tampering with his memory, and just the the ways that he is filled with regret over this thing that he did that he could have never imagined the consequences for. I think the inclination here to, to change our memories or to want to change the past is so relatable and so human. And I would like to bless anyone who has memories that they wish they could erase or parts of their past they want to rewrite. I know it's so hard to live with that regret of things you've said or left unsaid. And it's so difficult to own up to our mistakes in the effort to repair the hurt we've caused. You know, this is something we also see in our culture as a country and the way that we tell our own history, um, particularly around this time of year with Thanksgiving and and just all of the, the racial history in this country. I wish that we all would have the courage to face our past with bravery, honesty, and own up to our mistakes to mend our our shared culture. Thanks. Becca, thank you so much for that beautiful blessing. I also really feel for Slughorn more and more. I I wonder about all the things that I just choose not to think about, the things that if I were to look back on them would bring me that gross feeling of shame that comes upon me when I think about certain memories. And so I just don't engage with them. And rather than thinking, oh, what could I have done differently? I just tell myself the story of like, I'm a different person now. I don't need to beat myself up about that. And I don't think shame is productive, but I think that there are some times where the icky feeling comes and rather than engage with it, I just miss that chance. And I I think at the end of the day, that is all that Slughorn is doing. Yeah, I'm really struck, Becca, by what you said about telling the truth about what happened. That's not something we should just go around doing all the time, right? Like it can be traumatizing for people to be confronted with that. However, I do think if the truth is never told, it's very difficult for us to build a new chapter that transcends and includes it, you know, includes and transcends it. So I'm really thinking about, you know, what we're seeing here is Slughorn unwilling to tell the truth. And that's what slows Harry down. It slows Dumbledore down. It slows down the whole movement to overcome this evil that is awoken in the world. And so I'm really hearing your invitation for all of us to tell the truth, to tell the truth about what happened. It's time for us to bless someone from the pages of this chapter. And there are so many great characters that we get to see in this chapter. Vanessa, who are you going to bless today? I am going to bless my darling, darling Lavender Brown, Mm. who in this chapter is just being jilted by a cowardly Ron Weasley. 
who keeps pretending to be asleep when his girlfriend comes to visit him. And she, in absence of information, is doing her best to make meaning and is trying to talk to Harry and is coming up with stories about Hermione and is doing all the things that any of us do when we feel as though we can't do anything, right? She's being kept out of her own relationship. Ron isn't telling her what's going on with her own relationship. And it just breaks my heart for her. And I'd like to offer a blessing for Lavender. Dating is hard. And yeah, people can be quite cruel and dismissive. So to anybody out there who feels like their dating life is treating them poorly, my blessing is for you. What about you, Casper? Who would you like to bless? I was so struck by seeing Dobby again in this chapter. You know, he has these star turns, right? He'll show up in a chapter and, and, (laughs) and be really, really present. And it's so easy to forget how continuously loyal and just generous he is. And it's layered in with lots of complexity, you know. But the reason why he's fighting with creatures, he's protecting Harry's reputation. He's saying, I will not have Harry insulted and besmirched in the way that you're doing. So I guess for Dobby's just unfailing loyalty and for his protection of someone who he loves, his protection of their integrity and their their reputation, just that fierce that fierce protective instinct that we see in Dobby. And for anyone who is standing up for those who might not be present, you know, protecting their reputation and staying loyal, um, this blessing is for you. Casper, is there anybody whose teeth you need me to knock out for you? (laughs) Let's talk later. You've been listening to Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or join our fabulously active Facebook group to chat with other listeners about this episode. Or come and join the amazing group of people supporting us on Patreon, helping this show to thrive. You can leave us a review on iTunes or send us a voicemail, and we hope very much to see you at our live show in St. Louis, Missouri, next week on December 19th. Next week, we'll be reading Chapter 20, Lord Voldemort's Request, through the theme of goodwill. This episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text was produced by Not Sorry Productions. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman, and our associate producer is Chelsea Erson. Our music, as always, is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Bull, and we are part of Night Vale Presents. We'd like to thank Becca for this week's voicemail, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Maggie Needham, Megan Kelly, and Stephanie Paulsell. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, everyone. Oh, Casper, you know, remember how last week my tower um, was that I was so excited to make bagels? Yeah. You forgot to add wheat. Yeast. Yeast. So what happens when you don't add yeast? Do they just stay really flat? They're they're hard as rocks. You made manna. That's what you made. (laughs) 